0: Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're very grateful for your presence. We're thankful for such a beautiful day, the opportunity that has brought us together to worship God and for the privilege of being here without any worries of outside harm how grateful we should be. We're very glad that you're here tonight. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're very thankful for those who visit on a regular basis, for those who have joined hands with us, and if you are currently looking for a church home, we would encourage you to look or examine closely the work here. We would invite you to become a part of this work. I know that the elders here would be more than happy to talk to you about the many opportunities for service in this congregation. Tonight I want us to think about a passage found in Matthew the 27th chapter and we want to consider the theme the why of suffering. Jesus Christ the Son of God while hanging upon the cross, cried out to his heavenly Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When troubles and trials come in life, sometimes we are left to ask the question, why? And quite frankly, there are times when words are inadequate. To express the pain and the difficulties that maybe our friends and family members are experiencing at a particular time in life. Some I guess wonder if it's appropriate to ask the question why in the midst of trial and turmoil and yet I believe that as members of the human family it's somewhat natural to sometimes ask why when we face difficulties and distressing situations in life. As we think about the why of suffering there are two things that I want to call your attention to in our study together. The first has to do with some reminders in suffering and really there are two things that come to mind as we think about suffering itself. When we face suffering and sometimes we ask why and our minds are racing for answers, there there are really two basic things that maybe we would do well to bear in mind as we face the trials of life. Number one, when we face suffering in this life, it ought to remind us of the blight of sin. When Jesus was hanging upon the cross he cried out to God the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus as you know was bearing on his sinless head the sins and the iniquities of mankind. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53 the prophet foretelling of the sufferings of Christ said that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus bore all of our iniquities and he did so because of sin. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 21, Him who knew no sin, he became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Peter, one of the close disciples of Jesus, wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2 that Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree. Sin is a reminder that Jesus paid the price for our sins. But when we think about the blight of sin, go back to the Garden of Eden and read where God told the first couple that they were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. In chapter 3, we read of the serpent coming on the scene, and he deceived, as you well know, Mother Eve and Adam. They both ate of that forbidden tree, and thus, as a result of that, death began preying upon the human family. We think, first of all, of the physical death that entered the world. But then also, not just physical death, but spiritual death. Mankind, as a result of sin, is separated from God. But Paul made this statement in Romans chapter 5 at verse 12. Therefore through one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Every time we stand at the side of an open grave, it is a reminder to us of what sin has done to those of us living on planet earth. We are, in effect, heirs of suffering. When Paul wrote to the saints in Rome in Romans chapter 8 at verse 18, he said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time or this present age or present world, Paul understood that he was thrust into an arena replete with human suffering, with trials and heartache. And then Job said in chapter 14, verse 1, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Life is about trouble and trial. And yes, even death. But then, we think not just of the blight of sin, but the burdens that come with sin. And really what we're emphasizing here has, I guess could be summed up in the word suffering. You go back again and you read the account in Genesis chapter 3 of the fall of the first couple. And thank God, He set forth, or set in motion, His redemptive plan in verse 15. The promised seed being announced. At that point in time in history, God began putting into motion His plan to redeem us. But if you go back and read the account of the fall of man and then begin moving forward in Scripture, you'll find that sin has brought heartache and suffering to those of us in the human family. And there are great burdens that we must bear because of sin. Because of what sin has done to those of us who comprise human flesh. And we're going to look at some examples of individuals who bore great burdens and we're going to talk more about the burdens in detail as we look at some of these examples. But let me just cite for you some of the individuals that have walked on this earth and that have experienced some of the things that you and I have. The first man that comes to my mind is Job. I don't guess you could ever enter into a discussion about human suffering without thinking about a man named Job. And bear in mind Job was a real individual. He was not some fictitious character The book of Job is not a parable, but rather it is about the experiences and the trials of a human being, that is, somebody who was made of flesh and blood, who was made in the image and the likeness of Almighty God. In chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Job was an upright man, one that feared God and turned away from evil. And you well know that Job lost 10 children. Imagine going to 10 funerals. And then we read of Job losing a great deal of his wealth. Many of his flocks perished. His servants were gone. And then in chapter 2, we find Satan wreaked havoc on his body. He was literally covered with boils. The latter part of chapter 2 tells us that his his three friends came to mourn with him and to comfort him. And the Bible says in chapter 2, the very last verse... But for seven days, none of those men said one word. But then it closes with this statement. They saw that his grief was very great. Job experienced more than you and I will probably ever experience in a lifetime. But nonetheless, the burdens that he bore were enormous. Another individual that reminds us of the burdens attached to sin, a man by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the good kings in the history of God's people. In 2 Kings chapter 20, we find Isaiah the prophet being summoned to go to Hezekiah the king. And he told him this very sobering message. He said, set your house in order for you will die and not live. The Bible tells us that Hezekiah immediately turned his face toward the wall and prayed. Isaiah tells us in his commentary or in his inspired book that Hezekiah wept bitterly. You just think about the burdens that had been placed upon his shoulders or the burden that had been placed upon his shoulders having been told that he was about to die Isaiah tells us that Hezekiah prayed to Jehovah God, and God responded by saying, I have heard your prayers, and I have seen your tears. God was mindful of what Hezekiah was enduring, but nonetheless, what a great burden he bore. Another individual that comes to mind was one of the great kings in the history of Israel, probably the most prolific king, David. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. David, though a great man, a good man, was not perfect. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we find David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Later, he had Uriah the Hittite killed on the front line of battle in an attempt to conceal what had occurred with Bathsheba. And so... As a result of that adulterous union, the Bible tells us that a child was conceived and later born. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, the writer tells us that the Lord struck that child. How did David respond to the sickness of his own child? Well, the the scriptures tell us that he pleaded with the Lord. He laid upon the ground and pleaded with the Lord. Have you ever seen parents pleading with the Lord through prayer for the life of their child? Have you ever sat with parents, as they watched a child suffer immensely with some kind of terminal disease, David was in agony. And then a little bit later in history, we read about his own son Absalom. Absalom, as you know, sought to steal the kingdom away from his father. But in 2 Samuel chapter 18, we read about the death of Absalom. And you can just imagine how King David received the news that his son had died. The Bible tells us that he cried out on that occasion, O Absalom, my son, my son, if only I had died in your place. Typically, children bury, bury their parents. But there are occasions when as parents we have the difficult task of burying our children. David had to bury two children. And David, like many of us, would have rather died than to have given up his own son. I think that shows insight unto all of us how much a child means to those of us who are parents. As a matter of fact, you know the psalmist said in the long ago, children are, are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. What a great blessing children are. And yet David lost two, just as Job lost ten. Another example would be that of Mary and Martha in chapter 11 of the book of of John. On this occasion, we read of the death of their brother Lazarus. Word was sent to Jesus, and Jesus later arrived. Martha first met him, and she said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. And then Mary met the Lord, and she later echoed the same statement, that if he had been here, their brother Lazarus would not have died. But on that occasion, Jesus observed the heartache of those two sisters, as well as the other friends or relatives that may have been assembled on that occasion. And John tells us that Jesus was troubled. Now, some would speculate that Jesus was troubled because of maybe the unbelief of the Jewish people. But I tend to believe that Jesus was troubled because of what death had wrought upon the human family. And he understood that behind death and behind the agony and the experiences of death and what it has done to the human family was the devil. And so in John chapter 11... Here's what the Bible says. Jesus wept. Don't you think it broke the heart of Jesus? To see members of the human family shedding tears at the loss of a loved one? I think Jesus could see what the devil had done to those of us who live on planet earth. And it brought tears to his eyes. And so when we talk about suffering and some of the reminders of suffering, number one, it reminds us of the blight of sin. And if you link that to the burdens associated with sin, that being human suffering itself, you can see why Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. But here's a question. What is the role of... Of suffering in the lives of people what role does it play in our lives are there benefits or blessings associated with human suffering now there are occasions in life as I said a moment ago when we cry out why and there are times when we go to console loved ones or friends and family members and They may ask the question, why? And we do not feel like we have an adequate answer. And I, for one, can understand that. There are times in life when, as I said earlier, we do not have human terminology to express what may have happened. It's very difficult for us to articulate what has happened. Maybe we don't have all the answers but are there some benefits or byproducts to human suffering? Can we learn from suffering? Yes we can. Sometimes individuals will allude to the University of Hard Knocks. And while formal education is beneficial, there's something to be said for living life itself, experiencing life. What are the benefits of suffering, What role does suffering play in the lives of people? Number one, I would submit unto you that it helps to build character. Now, the thing that keeps recurring in my mind, I think back to when I was young and growing up at home, and maybe sometimes I would have to do certain things that maybe I didn't want to do. And maybe my parents would say, well, it builds character. Well, on that occasion, I really didn't want to hear that. But when we talk about human suffering, I am convinced that it will help to build our character. It it really tests Our worth, if you please. In James chapter 1, James talks about the various trials that we experience in life. And he said, count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials or manifold temptations. And really he's just talking about the various trials of life. And many of those trials come in outward forms. In ways like disease and illness. Financial setbacks, loss, the loss of a job, death, just any number of sorrows that we face in life as well as setbacks. But in looking at James chapter 1, there are two things that come to mind as we think about building character. The trials of life can either, they can either build our faith, we can use them to build our faith or we can allow them to break our faith. And really it's up to us how are we going to use these things. What we want to do is find the silver lining in the trials and the tribulations of life and use them in a constructive way. But as I think about building character, two things come to mind. First of all, it lends perspective to life. When people experience the various trials and tribulations of life I can assure you it helps to crystallize what life is all about. It brings the focus or the purpose of life into a much sharper focus. Now it's true, maybe we don't ask for these trials and tribulations in life. But sometimes it takes difficulties and trials for us to to come to the conclusion that there are certain things that are important in life and there are things that are unimportant. Here's what is truly most important. And Solomon summed it up well in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 at verse 13. He said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. That's what life is all about, fearing God and keeping His commandments. There have been individuals in days gone by who had no desire to live for the Lord, who thought nothing about eternity, who never got, who never gave a second thought about the church or spiritual things. But then when adversity came, when their health began to leave them, or when the health of a loved one began to to leave that individual, or when they lost a job, or whatever the case may have been, they began to think about the Lord. There have been people in the Lord's church who have gone back into the world only to suffer the trials of life and to realize they needed to get themselves back with the Lord. Look at the prodigal son in Luke 15. Things weren't going well for him. Life wasn't what he had Maybe initially pictured at his onset. The Bible says he began to be in want. And I believe that there is a deep inward yearning in the souls of men and women, and that inward yearning, that void or vacuum in the lives of people, cannot be filled by material things. It cannot be filled by the accomplishments of this life, but it can be filled. By service to Almighty God. That's why Jesus said, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. But there is a second benefit to suffering when we think about building character. And that is, it leads to patience in this life. Now James said in James chapter 1, Count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect or mature, wanting or lacking in nothing. Paul said in Romans chapter 5 at verse 3, Tribulation worketh patience. Go back again and read the book of Job. And if you'll read the life story of Job, you'll understand why James could write in chapter 5 verse 11 of his book, You have heard of the patience or perseverance of Job. Now, Job may have learned a lot of lessons as a result of what he underwent in life. But I can assure you one of the things that he took away from all of that was the need to be patient or persevering in times of trial. I have often thought that at times we pray for patience and maybe we don't understand what we're praying for because trials and tribulations lead to patience or perseverance. Let me give you another reason why we can benefit from suffering. When we talk about the role that suffering plays in our lives, a second thing it does, it breeds compassion. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 the Apostle Paul speaks of God And he speaks of him as the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. He said, who comforts us in all our tribulation, wherewith we ourselves may be able to comfort those who are undergoing any trial. You and I not only have the ability to sympathize with people, but there are occasions when we can empathize with people. We know what they're experiencing because we have been in their shoes. There are certain things that people experience in this life and I can sit down with them and I can talk to them and I can try to be an encouragement to them. I can be sympathetic to what they're undergoing but I cannot empathize with them because I myself have not been there. But maybe you have. Somebody that has undergone cancer can empathize with another person who is experiencing chemotherapy treatments. Somebody who has lost a, tri- a child or a grandchild or a husband or a wife, they can empathize with somebody who is in the same situation. And sometimes I think we go, to, we go to those who are in sorrow. And we think we have to have all of the answers and we have to express to them how we know what they're going through. If we haven't been there, we don't know what they're going through. If we haven't experienced what they are experiencing, then we do not know what they are experiencing. But if we've been in their shoes, if we've walked in their footsteps, then yes, we can do that. The Hebrew writer talks about how Jesus... Was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. But the Hebrew writer prefaced that by saying he is able to sympathize with us. Jesus, he knows what we are are faced with on this earth. He understands what life is all about. He knows what we're going through as members of the human family. Think about what the psalmist said in Psalm 103. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. God made us. He knows how we work. He knows how we tick, how we operate. And because of that, He understands what we are experiencing in life. Jesus lived some 33 years on this earth. He faced a lot of things. He saw a lot of things. And Jesus can empathize with us. He can sympathize with us. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 2, in that he himself has, has suffered or hath been tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Listen, Jesus has been there. He knows what you're going through, and so he can help you. Now I said that it... Breeds compassion. Suffering breeds compassion. Here's what Paul said in Romans 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Can we we weep with those who are hurting? Yes, we can. Can we provide a shoulder for somebody to lean upon in times of trouble? Absolutely. Can we sit down with somebody who is hurting, who is crying, who is suffering immensely? Can we, can we sit down with them and open the Bible and read to them what God's Word has to say? Absolutely. We can remind them that God is a refuge, a very present help in times of trouble. We can remind them to cast all their cares on Him because we know he cares for us first peter chapter 5 at verse 7 there's a third thing i want to share with you very quickly when we talk about the role of suffering in our lives and that is it binds us to christ number 1 it builds character number 2 it breeds compassion number 3 it binds us to christ somebody says how so Well, just look at the life of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You remember Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and he besought the Lord three times that that thorn in the flesh might be alleviated or taken from him. And here's what the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for you, for in weakness my strength is made perfect in weakness. What the Lord was saying to the Apostle Paul was this. Paul, what you need to do is utterly and solely depend upon me. The trials of life will bring us closer to the Lord. It will make us trust in Him when we are maybe unable to trust in anything else. We'll draw closer to the Lord and we will draw closer to the Word of the Lord. How many people? with tears running down their faces, have opened the word of God and sought the bomb of Gilead. How many people have opened this book and read over and over again, Psalm 23, where David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How many people have read over and over again, not just the Psalms, but the New Testament, in a quest for hope and strength in trial. And let me just say this. The trials of life will bring you closer to the Lord. It will make you trust in the Lord more so than at, at any other time in your life. Think again about what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Casting all your care on him, for He cares for you. You see, in in the trials and tribulations of life, when times aren't going our way, we recognize that there is a God in heaven who, who loves us supremely, who is with us through thick and thin. What can we do? Well, one thing we can do is pray. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. It's easy to give up. What Jesus is saying is we need, we need to be steadfast even when trials come. Continue trusting in Him. The Hebrew writer said, Let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. It may be that you're faced with a, with a situation in life when no one has the answer to your problems. No one can help you. But God can and God will. We think about the privilege of prayer, and then the fact that His presence is always with us. You know, Paul said on one occasion, if God be for us, who can be against us? On another occasion, the Hebrew writer said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't know what you're going through in this life. I know what some of you are going through. I don't know what everybody's going through. But I like to believe that those of us who are God's people, we continue to remain steadfast in our prayer lives and we remind ourselves that the Lord is ever present with us. He's with us through thick and thin. Tragedies come in life, trials come, tribulations come, and as I said a moment ago, I don't always have the answers. You don't always have the answers. And there are occasions when, yes, we cry out, why? This past week, as you well know, Doc and Peggy Hunt lost a grandson. That's not the first time they've experienced the loss of a loved one. That's not the first problem that they have encountered in this life. When I look at their lives and I think about what they've experienced, they've borne more than many of us will ever experience in this life. But if you talk to them and you spend time with them, you'll be amazed by their faith, their resilient spirit. When I went to their home Friday morning, I didn't have any magic words. I don't have any magic words this hour. You know, what are you going to say? All you can tell them is the Lord loves them and we love them. And God will be with them. You know, when we talk about silver linings and things, it's hard to see a silver lining in the loss of a young person, in the loss of a child. And maybe I don't understand everything about life, But I do know this, the Lord will be with us, and He'll be with them. What we've got to do is trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not under our own understanding. As Solomon said, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your paths. God will be with us, just as He'll be with them. I hope that we can benefit from the trials of life. I mean that sincerely. I'm not saying that we're out looking for trials and tribulations, but when they come, it would be my prayer that God will bless us with the wisdom to use them constructively, to use them to draw closer to him who loves us and died for us. Would you bow with me in prayer? Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful for the opportunity to read from your word, to draw strength from a study of your holy and divine word. And Father, there are times in life when we ask why, and maybe we don't have all the answers, but we're grateful that even though we do not know what the future holds, we know that you hold the future. And Father, we pray for those who are suffering and those who are facing heartache. We pray for the Hunt family and others. And we pray that you would bless them with the strength of Job. Bless them and others like them who are facing unbelievable trials in this life. And Father, we're grateful that you have loved us. We're grateful that you sent your Son to die for our sins. And may we ever live to serve you. May we, Holy Father, look for that home in heaven one day in Jesus name we pray amen let me just say that if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian that the Bible tells us God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance God is interested in you as a person he sent his son to die for your sins he wants you to go to heaven what would you need to do Well, on Pentecost Day, the Bible says they were told to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. If you would do that and live faithfully, the promise is the crown of life. If you're here tonight, maybe you're not faithful. Maybe you've not been living as you should. Here's what James said. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. We have the opportunity to pray with you and for you, and God will abundantly pardon. Would you come as we stand and sing?